0: Hey guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. So today on the podcast, you guys, we have David Edwards. Now I'm going to say up front that this guy has accomplished so many things that this minute or two intro will not even, you know, practically touch the surface or scratch the surface, okay? The guy, I'm gonna try my best, he is uh, a true genius. He is a Harvard professor, he is a graduate from MIT. Uh, he has been on the forefront of inhalable medicines for your lungs. He was one of the pioneers who invented that. He has been Time Magazine's uh, best inventor of the year, not just once, but multiple times. His newest project that is really dear to his heart that he has been working on for years is called FEND. And it is a true health disruptor, a huge game changer in in our overall health. Um, what it basically is, and we're going to go really deeper into it uh, on the podcast, it's basically a, a mist that you inhale that... Helps clean and hydrate your upper respiratory system. Um, now, why that's important is it because we are ingesting constantly dirty air, toxins, pollutants, and this is the way that you can truly clean out our our, our system, our our immune health. Uh, it is uh, what he's patented. How it gets into our body is extraordinary. Uh, he's also uh, an accomplished writer of textbooks and other. Um work that has won many awards and and prizes. He's also been on the forefront of uh, developing new drugs and vaccines for diseases of poverty, poverty, such as tuberculosis. The list goes on and on. Okay. So I don't want to continue boring you. I want you to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Uh, I really love this conversation. I think it's super important, especially now Um to really kind of get a hold on what we can do to really level up our health, to really be truly healthy inside and out and uh, enjoy this conversation. I really, really enjoyed having it with David. So um, I'm still in Miami, still staying at the Carillon Wellness Resort, which uh, I feel like it's like my second home. And I have to say today's podcast, uh, I am very excited for not just because I have like a deep affection for our guest, but because he is seriously one of a kind who is probably the smartest human being that I know, uh, probably and will be the smartest human being you know. Uh, And he's literally a genius, his name's David Edwards. If you follow me on Instagram, I've spoken about him. We met um, at MIT, uh we were both speaking at this uh resilience fail uh lecture that this lecture that they do and i was very very insecure because david was speaking before me and uh well his his resume speaks for itself so i want to just kind of give a couple of bullet points about david and you'll understand what i'm saying so uh david literally okay so he is like a beautiful mind. So he is an MIT guy, a Harvard professor. He is. Um, he's won Time Magazine's inventor of the year, not once, but twice, maybe even three times that maybe I don't know about that time, but his, his uh, latest, in, you know, Time Magazine's latest invention, it won for 2020, it's for this new product, it's called Fend and it's not even a product. It's a disruptor in the health space. Um, David is uh, really somebody who, his background, by the way, I should should say, he is uh, a pioneer, not only in airway hydration, which is what FEND is about, but in, what was that thing you called it earlier? You called it the inhale insulin?
1: Inhale insulin, yeah.
0: Inhale insulin. Uh, He sold his first company in under a year the investment was a million dollars. He then sold it for uh, 150 million, probably now worth probably billions. And that's just one thing, but he really wants to make an impact, make a difference in the world. And he's done copious amounts of things um, about, you know, around that. In 2014, he also was Time Magazine's best inventor of the year, if once wasn't enough, with um, edible... Packaging. Packaging, gosh, damn. <laughs> And listen, and he's just, I can go on and on. So I feel like I've been yapping cause I'm just so impressed with you as a human being. So anyway, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Hey,
1: I'm super touched to be on it actually, uh, uh, especially with you.
0: Oh, thank you're me. you're so nice. And I, I told David and I'm saying it again and I've said it over and over again, whatever he is involved with, I wanna be involved with too because of the impact, the the heart that goes behind it, his background, I mean, Let's just start, let's just go right into it. I know that it's kind of a complicated, it could be complicated to to understand, but um, let's start with FEND, right? Because this is really what is the, gonna be a huge disruptor in the health space. It is the way that people, uh, it's it's helpful for people, for the respiratory systems with their hydration. So can you tell us kind of what it is in your words and why you even decided to even create this this thing in the yeah, first place. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: thank you so much, Jen. That's all crazy, crazy nice. Well, your listeners may not know that um, when we dehydrate, of course, we all know that hydration is really important for our body to function, for our cells to function, and our organs to function. And so we are supposed to drink a lot of water. And, right. and uh, that's quite well known. What's not so well known is that there's a part of our bodies that dehydrates faster than the other tissues do. And that's the part of our body at the top of your airways we think of as the windpipe. And you may not know, but the windpipe has a role of not only cleaning the air we breathe, but also hydrating it. And it's super important that it gives up enough water so that the air you breathe when it gets deep into your lungs is completely wet. And if that didn't happen, you would dry out. So it's a really important job. So as we get hydrated by drinking a lot of water, that goes up into our upper airways, but then it leaves. And so, for many reasons that we can talk about today, in lots of conditions, not only disease conditions, but athletic conditions, and also when we're of large BMI, or as we get older, we dehydrate first here. So what? So. The problem, your upper
0: upper upper airway, sorry, exactly.
1: And your trachea, especially, and you have a larynx, kind of what makes you hear me. Right. Uh, All of that's up here. And it dries up. In your throat. It's in your throat. It's kind of what we think of as a throat. Exactly. Or or literally it's the windpipe. Uh, So between my nose and my mouth, there's a connection to my lungs, and that's the windpipe. That's this long thing here. In the center of it is 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 the larynx. Okay. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. So, when that dries out, what happens is that the air you breathe gets into your lungs dirty, it turns out. Okay. <laughs> this, you can think of this as a. Yeah, car. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Dave, yeah. I, I, remember, keep it as simplistic as David's so so smart sometimes, he doesn't even realize that so that makes sense. So, basically, uh, why people get sick a lot is because you're saying because we're dehydrated. Yeah. Um, we're also breathing in. Um, polluted air or not or not or air that's not necessarily clean yes yeah, right? so
1: it's important to yes exactly dry air and dirty air are both bad
0: okay okay dry
1: air and dirty air yep. air always has dirt in it and always has there's a lot more dirt than there used to be but it's always been an issue and so the lungs have developed a way of cleaning it by a hydrated uh, trachea or windpipe and when it dries out and it can happen for two really, really good reasons in the environment. There's a lot of polluted air, like you're living in California and there are wildfires or you're in India and and there's a lot of air pollution. It can lead to this drying out or you're breathing dry air people may not recognize that we are relative to 100 years ago breathing really dry air. Either we're in air conditioned environments Mm. or we're in a drying planet. And both of those things lead to a a breakdown of the immune system in your upper airways. So what do you do? So what you need to do and what we've discovered is that by making droplets that are just the right size that when you breathe them through your nose, they land in your nose and here in the windpipe with salts uh, that are in your body and also in the ocean, by the way, you can hydrate your trachea for six hours once you uh, once you administer FEND.
0: So this is what I. So when people, because when after I met you at MIT, right, I was like, I was so excited. I was telling everybody about you and your and and FEND, and the way I would I was describing it to people. And tell me if I am accurate. I say the reason why it's a game changer and the reason why this is such a disruptor is because. It's not only, it's the you you kind of patented and figured out not only what how you're breathing it in, but it's the, it's the size of the molecules that your body can actually absorb it, right? So that's the, that's the, the secret sauce, right? So a lot of these other things that could be on the market, it, it's not even effective because it's not even entering your trachea.
1: Yeah. So there's two there's two factors. One is exactly what you said. The droplets are just the right size. People didn't understand this before, like a normal nasal saline, for example, all lands up in your, nose. in your nose right? and it needs to get into the larynx and beyond. And so you need just now you, people do breathe in aerosols of salt, uh, but they go deep in the lungs. Right. And what's important is that the salts not only have the right size, but they have a high calcium concentration. That's also new. And it's the combination of calcium and and the right droplet size that make this hydrate
0: and last got it so it's a ca- it's also the calcium so yes. why what does the calcium do
1: so what does the calcium do so um i need to explain a little bit that um, when the sir yeah so the calcium actually cleans up the surface of the airway lining mucus to be clear so okay. calcium magnesium does the same thing by the way
0: so like if someone's listening to this or can someone else just do the same thing or is it because they can even they can put calcium let's say in, in a different product but they're not going to yeah. be able to figure out the size of the actual yeah, molecule, well, right?
1: So to be uh, clear, we are using InFend, uh and I can demonstrate fan for you just so there's a, there's a little uh, 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 mist uh, of salt water that comes out. There's only water and two salts, which are very common, right? right. They're in the ocean, you're in your body, they're very common. This can be made in the developing world really, really inexpensively. It's true that we patented it, it's something that we own, it's something that we've invented. Uh, And so we will bring this uh, globally, but in parts of the world where people are dying, there are billions of life years lost on the planet, uh with every generation by the fact of having dry upper airways so we're committed and the fact that it's so simple to make and so easy to do and getting this to people who who need it most and can't afford it
0: so what were we doing before i mean it has i should also say also this was only on the market for only once it was, it was like I said, the invention of the year for twenty twenty. It was sold out in record time, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's not, there wasn't anything even in the market. It just came back. You guys just got enough right now. Again, yeah, so we right?
1: began to get. We gave an early product to people. Of course, we have ten thousand or more consumers in the United States who've been using an earlier version of the product, but the actual product came out of few weeks ago and then sold, we sold out um, the stock really quickly. We'll be back in stock in January and then we will hopefully not run out. We can produce as many as, as, as we need. And so we, now that we understand what the demand is, we'll do that. So what were we doing before? Well, actually humanity evolved over millions of years, breathing humid, pretty clean and pretty salty air. That's what we were doing. We were breathing just air that was pretty clean pretty humid and pretty salty. And so our lungs got really good at dealing with an occasional particle, right? So we did make fires and caves and we did have like wildfires. And so we were breathing dirty air before, but our lungs were able to handle it because they were used to breathing pretty humid, pretty clean, and pretty salty air. And suddenly over the last, particularly over the last couple centuries, obviously um, before then, but especially with the population growth, the last couple centuries, we're suddenly breathing air that is very different. It's way dirtier, it's way drier, and it's, it's not too salty. And so what Fenn does is it takes really a breath of ancient air, and it puts it in your upper airways and it makes it last for six hours.
0: So when did things start to decline for us as like a...
1: In the early 19th century. And so I don't know if you, uh, well, know that as industrialization began to take place. Absolutely. And so respiratory diseases like we know them today really trace back to COPD and asthma and then uh, tuberculosis really trace back to the early 19th century. And and by the way, I don't know if you know that in in Europe uh, initially, and it was discovered that those who were not getting respiratory disease were the salt miners. (laughs) <laughs> really, and so then the uh, idea was to take people with respiratory conditions and have them spend the night in the salt mine, and they began to get better. And so something, uh, there a therapy developed actually. And so people now in LA or or in uh, in New York City and other cities can go to something called a halo therapy, yeah. which is a an attempt to mimic the salt mines between us, it's not done so well. And so it is something that can work, but it's, it's not done you just so well. Said that. <laughs> I did
0: halo therapy for the first time yesterday.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the way that it was described to me. Yeah, yeah. It was that it was like this, like salt was being infused in this infrared sauna. Yeah. And that it was like great for your respiratory system. Yeah. And then I thought of you. Yeah, yeah. So there's also places, by the way, in New York, have you been to them? Uh, I, I don't know. They're, they they might be other places, but I've like... been
1: to in New York to Hill there, But yeah, right. Absolutely. Well,
0: I've been. Is it the same when you're they're they're salt rooms? You just sit in a room yeah, of salt. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're thinking yeah.
1: of? Well, that is. There are different. Um, uh, m- m- Forms of halotherapy, but oh, in general, okay. the attempt—in other words, normally you're putting salt in the air by some kind of a, uh, a salt generator. Yeah, but in general, you're trying to mimic uh, the salt mines. And uh, just between us, the uh, science of that is not well known by the halotherapy uh, field, and so generally, uh, it's not so well done. But the, the 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 origin goes back to a real phenomenon in uh, the early part of the industrial revolution.
0: And so okay by the way it's not going to be just between us because people are going to be listening hopefully to this podcast so it'll be between you and i and hopefully i don't know how many thousands of people yeah but but still i like i like the idea of that though so uh so what so what is in general what is salt that type of environment known to help so we say say like okay it helps the the respiratory system just let's talk about salt for a second let's break it down so Okay, so it helps that it helps your respiratory system. Can you give me some like specifics on what it helps yeah, and yeah, how it ab- helps?
1: Absolutely. So salt plays a really important role in our bodies in hydrating our tissues. Okay. And the way that works is that when um, when you lose water in mm-hmm. your body, salt concentration goes up because it doesn't evaporate. Okay. Right. And. Actually, the salt then pulls water out of the cells. There's a pressure we call osmotic pressure. It's what happens, by the way, if you swim too long in the ocean and you get dehydrated. It's oh, exactly what's going on. It's the salt it. pulling water out. Well, that's what the salt does in the body. It's like when you've lost too much water in your tissues, the salt says, hey, we need, we need water, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, And so the salt pulls it back. And so what you can do, since your airways always need water, is by putting, breathing salt or putting salt just where it needs to go. And the only place it needs to go is the upper airways because everything else is completely humidified. Right. If you put salt there, it actually, not only do you put water in, but you're pulling water out. So it's... it. it augments the hydration of the upper airways. In a good way. In a good way, yeah. Um,
0: so how would we notice it? Like, if like if, give me, so, would it so be something that would, I would notice? You
1: would notice it. And the okay, way how? you would notice it in people who use fan, this is one of the first things they say is, you know what, I sleep better. You know what, I have many fewer allergies. Many are actually getting off allergy meds. And so the very first thing you see is, gosh, my uh, sinuses or my nasal passages are clearer. Uh, some are pointing to uh, the uh, loss of sleep apnea symptoms or snoring. So all of this relates to congestion of your mm-hmm. upper airways. And what happens is when you hydrate your upper airways, it allows these little cilia to move quickly mm-hmm. and to clear things. And so suddenly your, your uh, nasal passages are clear. And so that's the first thing. Another thing that you may notice, actually, if you're sensitive to your larynx, and there's a couple of reasons you might be. Either you're a singer. And singers, right. of course, have hydrated their larynx for a long time. You'll notice, I mean, when, people, when singers use this, their means, oh my gosh, my larynx is hydrated. You may be a runner and you may have uh, exercise-induced asthma. It happens here. yeah. And so you'll notice with FEND, it doesn't happen because it's hydrated. So you're hydrating your upper airways uh, causes many benefits you could observe immediately clearance, uh, sleeping better because when you sleep as you know you become an obligate nose breather and and, and, and therefore if your nose is clogged up you don't sleep so well and uh, these exercise induced asthma uh, events you don't have and so those are things you might immediately notice. When you take FEND it's very much if you're like used to diving in the ocean it's very much like diving in the ocean and coming out so you kind of it has the salinity of the ocean and so you sort of feel like you've been in the ocean
0: well first of all I, sh- I wanted to say to people this is by the way not a commercial or an ad I know it sounds like it because we keep on saying fen fen. fen. this is not I this is seriously a situation where it is so um, what you're doing and what you've done is so groundbreaking that I really do think it's so beneficial for people um, who have so many different like uh, health issues mm-hmm. you know if they have asthma if they have allergies like I do if they're just like walking around the world like we talked about de- being dehydrated but also, you were just saying something that I think is really important, like for singers or for athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Because athletes who are hyper, who are constantly yeah. doing this, they mm-hmm. would constantly be dehydrated.
1: Can I talk a, briefly about our study in India? By can all I, means. Can I do that? Because in fact, we've discovered a lot has been discovered since the start of the pandemic. And there's been a lot of resources and people have cared much more yeah, about the air absolutely. they breathe. And so we've been discovering. And what we've discovered has helped us understand why this is so fundamentally important to athletes and ultimately to singers. And particularly the product was being used in India and Bangalore at the height of the Delta pandemic in the Mm -hmm. spring of this year. And the woman who was leading the clinical trial uh, was dealing with uh, death and dying every day. And they began a treatment study. So COVID-19 patients coming into the clinic were either given a control nasal saline or fend three times a day, three days. And the results of the trial showed that the treatment group uh all of their symptoms were uh eliminated the rescue therapy went down which was all pretty amazing just three days of treatment but what was most amazing was that the oxygen saturation went up in all of the fen group and so the question became why is that normally in COVID 19 your lower airways become um, uh, broken down and they don't absorb air but if we're delivering to the upper airways why would that matter and so we all got an apple watch and began to measure our own oxygen and what happened when Oxygen fell at night or when we exercise and you fended and we found that the oxygen saturation went up and it led to our most recent article, which is in review right now uh, with uh, nature scientific reports, uh, where we showed that when you exercise, by the way, the same is true. turns out to be when you sing, saying mm-hmm. your trachea dehydrates. Mm-hmm. Your larynx dehydrates. And when that happens, that's a problem, another problem. Why? Well, the larynx is where you have your vocal cords or your vocal folds. And those things have to open when you breathe in and close when you breathe out. And when you speak, they vibrate like 100 times a second. So they have to be really wet to be be, uh, elastic. And so when they dry out, they don't open and close as well. And therefore, air doesn't get in as well. And so what we found is when everybody knows that when you exercise, oxygen saturation falls. But what we've discovered is that part of the reason why it falls is that you're not getting as much air in. So you want, whether you're seeing or exercising, to right. keep this hydrated to get uh, maximal oxygenation of your body.
0: And what's the purpose of, what is that? What is maximal oxygen in a very easy way to understand?
1: Your glottis or your larynx your windpipe opens up as far as oh, okay. it can that means as I far as it can, can so you can get all the air you need so you
0: perform body. better
1: so you perform better okay and you also have less this you also have less risks which i at some point we should talk about respiratory droplets if we can and, and then we add, add some more <laughs> um, layers <Sure>. here <laughs>
0: okay yeah just make it yeah, even more yeah, complicated yeah. okay let me ask you something though because yeah. if you're talking about dehydration dehydration what's the difference if we just drink a you know, extra water. Was yeah. like what? How does this help if we yeah. drink if we're drinking extra water, mm-hmm. and or like elect you know electrolytes. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, drinking lots of water is a really good idea, and and drinking uh, the right electrolytes also when you're exercising is really important. Um, what's important to understand is if, for example, I drink a liter of water, will that water end up in my uh, trachea and my larynx? Mm-hmm. Yes, it will. Will it immediately end up there? No. Oh, and yeah. will it actually um, be as efficient? If so, if I drink a liter of water, or I deliver ten milligrams of, of salty water here, what is the difference? Well, this the if you, delivering water where it needs to go, um, in even a very small amount, is a much more efficient way of hydrating your uh, larynx mm-hmm. and your and your trachea. And it's important to understand that. When you're um, exercising, or when you're not, and just breathing dirty air, or breathing dry air, or just breathing a lot of air, I don't know if you understand. I'm sure you understand that James Nestor in his recent book is pointing out how much air we're breathing. We're breathing too much air. Well,
0: wait, I'm yeah. gonna ask about that. Yeah, okay. no, no, no. You're that's good. Yeah, go ahead. Though you can you can bring it up. Go ahead. You're yeah. saying it. Go. Yeah.
1: So so James Nestor in his
2: book.
0: But, but most people probably don't know who that is, but he's somebody who is a journalist who wrote a book called breathe that is uh well you could talk about it because you know the more of the science behind it
1: yeah so it's a phenomenal book uh, it, uh it's called breath and it, oh, it, breath, it yes, uh, sorry. came out uh, in the last a year or so and uh in his book james who in his previous book was looking at uh, uh free diving and and what happens in your lungs when your uh co2 levels are increasing and so Understanding the ancient rite of breathing that is documented in all ancient civilizations that really points to the importance of breathing through your nose. Mm-hmm. And he points out, and this has been discovered by looking at uh, skull shapes and so forth, that our skulls have evolved a lot, actually, in the last uh, 150 years by virtue, in part, of eating the wrong thing actually in eating increasingly processed foods, among other things, our chin has fallen back and we're not um, chewing as much. And one of the consequences is that we're more uh, obligate mouth breathers. And the consequence of that is we're breathing in too much air. And uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and and among other things, uh, we're uh, not hydrating our, our larynx effectively. So James doesn't get into this, but his, he's pointing out the fact that nasal breathing is the natural form of breathing and breathing a lot less air than we do right now, because we're breathing so much air through the mouth, we're needing to hydrate way more air than our bodies are capable of. And so even though you're really well hydrated, you can still uh, be dehydrated um, in your upper airways.
0: So how did you come about this whole thing? Right? So can we talk a little bit about uh, your background and the evolution of your career? Because, like from where you, how you even came to this this yeah. kind of realization?
1: Well, I um, began in applied math and I had a very small audience and I had a couple textbooks and there was a problem in the 1990s and it was related to um, lung disease and the fact that you can't really analyze the lungs very well uh, because they're very complicated. And so people were beginning to look at Harvard. And what happens when you breathe in particles and you breathe them out and you look at what comes out, can you figure out what's going on in the lungs? Were you
0: at Harvard already? As a- at
1: Harvard. I was at MIT at the time, but okay. there was uh, researchers at Harvard that came over actually said, we have all this data, we don't know how to understand it. So I modeled it and I uh, uh, was just interested in the modeling side of it. I met somebody named Bob.
0: Hold on, before you yeah. go that, can you just tell the story? Because I think this, I want to go back even further, right? Cause I think, like I said, you're so fascinating to me. So I want you to go back to like your beginnings, right? You're from when you were, you're like a kid from Michigan. Didn't come from anything. You were like, t- like mm. you were cleaning carpets, like to, to go to through, go to, to go to school, yeah, to go true, to, yeah. to community college. Yep. Yep. And you know, you were doing that. Tell us how you even went from that. Could you never thought in a million years that you would end up ne- never mind doing what you're doing now, but. Yeah. at Harvard as a professor yeah, yeah. or at MIT. Can you just talk about how you even ended up at MIT? Because I think that story is yeah. really amazing. Well, and it humanizes yeah, you. It makes you feel yeah, like well, I, So yeah, I was, I
1: was yeah, cleaning papers. And so I actually... Um, Fini- was finishing my undergraduate degree and I hadn't applied to graduate school and I had turned on to math at the last stand and my advisor said, have you ever thought about IIT in Chicago? And I had not. And he got me in uh, because he knew somebody. And I was at IIT in Chicago and a professor from MIT came by to give a talk and he saw what I was working on. He invited me to come to MIT. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're he you're, saw,
0: you're speeding through the best part of your story. Like the whole thing was when you when you tell, told me the story, I was like, oh my God, it literally is like... Um, Goodwill hunting. Like you were like, like I said, you yeah. were cleaning the carpets and you were trying to get yourself through your community college in Michigan. Then some someone said to you, okay, go to I-I-T-T, did you call I- it? I A T. Illinois Institute of Technology. Yeah. Okay, so then you're there. And then some random MIT professor was like, P- passing by and saw your beautiful like like algebra yeah. Yeah. of some kind <laughs> liking Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, with, so it was not with, exactly. But it, well, I mean, he came, he came to give a talk. He gave a
1: talk. Yeah, and he we had um, he knew my advisor, and he saw what I was interested in, and I was interested in theoretical things that my advisor didn't wasn't specialized in and therefore he said well maybe let to come and work with me and my advisor was really delighted to have a student at MIT and so he said yeah okay go and so I went about a year later and, and so to get to the so honestly he, I showed he up He saw
0: your formulas and he was so crazy yeah that I
1: was had that I mean this is aesthetics where I talk a lot about aesthetics actually I this guy his name is Howard Brenner he's an amazing scientist and so I ended up getting really into I, I'm aesthetically inclined and I as I went on I'll come back to the stories went on I was just doing this really arcane kind of applied math. And at one point, my parents were like, well, What do you do? And I couldn't really explain to them what I did. One <laughs> night at dinner, I said to Aaron, What do we do? He said, Well, we do aesthetics. And that really blew me away. I said, like, Yeah, it feels like we do aesthetics. But there's something about um, aesthetics, and I'll come back to the answer the question that, um, you know, in science, truth is uh, reproducible. What do you mean? You could, if something's true, uh-huh. it can be reproduced. That's kind of what the meaning of truth is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm simplifying. And, Good, keep and, it simple. Yeah, and in and, and, and in the, and the and in the arts, truth is expressive of a um, of an experience. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. And I, I'd love to talk more about aesthetics, but there's a different idea of a true. Uh, um, character in a play, for example, uh, versus a true formula. But in math, the two come together. So you can look as a mathematician at a page, and the way it looks aesthetically, uh, it's it it's true. It's just visually, actually, you can immediately see that it's both reproducible right. and beautiful in yeah. a certain oh, way. oh, I right? see what you mean. Yes. So, that, so there's something true anyway. That's so I. Went to MIT. I'm at MIT, and I did. Well, the guy, hold
0: on, the yeah. MIT guy, saw your yeah. again your your beautiful aesthetic math formulas. Yeah. It was like, wow, you belong at MIT. And mm-hmm. then you went from the school that you were in Illinois, went to MIT, and that's who even ended up at MIT. That's right. Okay, now continue. So you are like Goodwill hunting. I'm You're not well, I, well whatever. You that, are.
1: that was my story. And so I ended up in MIT. And honestly, the I was very free, right? Because I no, nobody had any expectations of me, nobody knew who I was, and I didn't anything was possible. And so the question is then what do you want to do? So I was fascinated with um what I did. And I didn't and, and I had a good relationship and, and uh with my advisor and and so I ended up writing textbooks. And uh, I, I lived in Israel. I was kind of going back and forth between Israel. And I just had a really free life. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa,
0: whoa. You know, you're writing textbooks. Okay, that's one thing. Then you ended up going back and forth to Israel. Why? What were you, what were you doing in Israel?
1: So when I finished my PhD, um, I had issues with my dad, honestly. And so I was kind of uh, wanting to get out of the country. And, and uh, I traveled a lot uh, uh, with friends. and. Uh, and uh, I had a uh, uh, he was a uh, came to do a residency, a professor at uh, Technion, which is a university in Israel, and he was interested in me coming and working with him. And so I tell uh, people what
0: Technion is because Te- I have,
1: Technion is kind of the MIT of uh, Israel, yeah. and it's in Haifa, in the northern part of uh,
0: uh, Israel. It's where all the best ideas in the world basically are birthed and created in, in, technion in, in, is like yeah. a world It it is yeah, it's yeah, like it's nice mit school. isn't 2.0 kind of
1: yeah world. It's, it's it's a it's an amazing engineering uh institution and so anyway i i went and spent more or less four years back and forth between mit and the technion and actually that's when i wrote my books Was going back and forth it was a super liberating for me um i uh, to be living uh in israel for lots of reasons and um and uh, so to kind of um Come back here. I am writing these books, and uh, I met the woman who's going to.
0: Aw, here's a Kleenex. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, it's so cute. No, I mean, what was interesting is at this point I'm I'm a very out, <laughs> I'm a very just into my wor- world thing. I had a very small audience, and I I and I was happy with that, frankly, and and I in my life was super happy, and I I met this woman. Yeah, what French, but very similar. We had very similar um Yeah.
2: So was like Oh,
1: uh, <laughs> so sweet. So yeah, the idea of sharing my life is very cool. And then but it's like well, I needed a job, right? And so was like, what am I gonna do? And so then I thought, well, I get an academic position, right? And so I applied and I got this position at um U C Santa Barbara, so I'm so applied math guy, and uh, and then. Wait, so
0: you met um, a woman in Israel.
1: I met her at MIT. she was doing oh, in yeah, MIT. she was her PhD at MIT, and so, yeah, I come I was going back and forth between Israel and MIT, and I had well, I had many other relationships. I'd never really met somebody who was like me, and so I was pretty happy being alone, and uh, so yeah, there was something really magical there, and so it's like, well, what do I? And then I
2: applied yeah.
1: for U C S, uh, and then and then California ran out of money that year. And so what do I do? And so I say all of that to say that I got into long work because I had to. Because I suddenly my applied math was not kind of giving me a job that would allow me to make my wife, you know, uh, yeah, uh, money. Yeah, money. By the way, and so I was, what do I do? And so I began to think about how to apply my applied math, and uh, and the lungs were kind of an issue then, and and uh, and then inhaled insulin was this the biggest thing in pharmaceuticals at the time. And uh, another mentor at MIT named Bob Langer, who's the most invented man uh, in American history. He's an amazing, uh, amazing man. Gave me a few papers on inhalants and said, how could you do that better? And so that's when I came up with this idea that we could make insulin like a wiffle ball, and then we could get it into the lungs in a really simple inhaler. that looked, by the way, very much like uh, what looks like yeah. So that so, that guy's yeah. name
0: is what is his name? Bob Langer. Bob Langer. And isn't that Bill Gates's mentor? Or well, the, he
1: works with Bill Gates a lot. Oh, he yeah, works with Bill sure. Gates.
0: Okay, so um, yeah. that's how you became like the pioneer or go-to guy for inhaler lung yeah, lunging. Yeah.
1: So what happened was that that happened. I, I got a lot of attention for that. And and were uh, you still,
0: where were you working at? You're working at the UC Santa Barbara. Right?
1: I no actually I, then I did get a job at Penn State University. And so I left to start this company. And then when we sold it and I got in the National Academy of Engineering, I was uh, in, uh, recruited to Harvard. So I started uh, to teach at Harvard in the two, early 2000s. And that's oh, this is the
0: first company that you, that, that the event, they the, the, the called Air.
1: Air. Well,
0: exactly. right, Air. And that was your first company. Yep. And that was how many years ago now are we talking?
1: Uh, well, we sold it 22 years ago. Wow. We started it 23 years ago, yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that was the one that was right you raised one million, was sold for a hundred and fifty million, like in a year. Yeah. And then uh and then what? So then now you have all so, this so money. Then, yeah,
1: so actually it was a big life moment for me, obviously. And so I first gave away a lot of money because I was kinda of felt guilty about it. How much and, did you uh, give away? Uh half of our money we gave away to um charity. Actually, so we created a charity for kids. Wow. In, in, uh, in Boston and in Paris, and uh, and uh, working in uh, you know creativity basically. Um,
0: you gave away half. You yep. Gave away seventy-five million dollars of a hot. Thing. Well,
1: I didn't have own all of the company, right. by the way, but I had a uh, significant piece of it. So. And you gave um, it away
0: for, to charity. Yeah, for, for kids. Cre- yeah.
1: So. Wow. Then the anthrax scare happened. So I'm now starting to teach at Harvard. Anthrax happened, and then the D.C. Washington D.C. The government had a meeting where they brought in all the uh, different relevant uh, government agencies, and then scientists who could help. And the question was, well, how do you keep bioterrorists from uh, weaponizing anthrax, basically? And I, in a way, had weaponized insulin. And so they said, well, what can we do? And so that's when I made an observation that, well, actually, even a better thing is to protect us from anything. And so that's when I found that if you put salt in the airways, you got rid of these little respiratory droplets that people may have heard about because of COVID-19, and basically when your airways dry out and you get dysfunction of your clearance you get these little droplets your liquid breaks up into droplets and uh, they can carry infection to others or deeper into your lungs so i observed that published that and uh and it led to um another company which company uh, called palmatrix it's a public company right now it was focused on this problem and then nobody really cared much about this in the late 2000s and so it's now focused on it's a public company focused on chronic respiratory disease um, but i meanwhile uh, many things to say but i had become involved in the developing world i was funded by the gates foundation and i was developing a not-for-profit in south africa for inhale. how did you
0: become whoa, 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 whoa. okay how did you become so that company that you just that went public uh about that were you how did were you not involved anymore did you make- I,
1: uh, once it got it, it kind of for me uh lost its soul or at least the soul that it had when I started it and so by 2010 I got off the board and it became uh focused on um what it does now uh and so and I you know I'm a pioneer I'm someone who enjoys doing new things and discovering new things and and ultimately uh bringing value to lots of people and that um was just not a pathway that was uh, taking me there
0: so um you're not financially motivated or money well money
1: matters for sure but at some point um as we get older you're really um really interested in impact and and uh you know i two things um honestly jen i really enjoy creating and i enjoy the kind of people Who create. And particularly when you're creating things that are new, which which is a very vulnerable, youthful thing to do. Um, And then I enjoy impact. And those two things really meet only when there's a big need. Mm -hmm. Because why would you do something new if if nobody really needs it? Really? So it kinda and so that that puts you in a very so I uh um uh yeah, so I I uh ended up um spending about 10 years Really understanding um, how to bring health and wellness through the air to people anywhere, and it led me to was this
0: with um, the Bill with the Bill Gates Foundation. Well, the Bill
1: Gates, you know, honestly, there was this moment with the so that we developed this not-for-profit inhaled BCG for uh, vaccination against TB or inhaled antibiotics. And, uh, but it became clear to me and to many of us that it's never going to reach commercial markets in Africa because there were no commercial markets in Africa to bring it to the people who needed it. And so I was very frustrated and felt like uh, like a fraud actually because it was like I, we were cl- <laughs> claiming we were gonna do all this good, but it really wasn't gonna happen. And so I-, I uh, So what happened to it? Uh, it well, honestly, um, the drug is in uh, is, is moving through clinical trials with the NIH, um, but uh, this is a really a different topic, but a big topic. How do you bring health and wellness to everyone? And a big issue of our time right now, right? And yeah. that kind of gets back to what we're dealing with here. So I really have spent 10 or 15 years uh, really understanding how people breathe. Right. <laughs> and how can we help that way of breathing bring broad benefit and uh, uh to,
0: it does cir- it, it is full circle it is
1: totally full circle my my son um uh who, who, who is a, filming this for us filming right us he kind of knows yeah. this from the early days but it's it all the work that i did in paris for inhaled chocolate or inhaled uh you know um uh, cocktails or even uh, again
0: with, no idea what you're talking about would yeah, inhale yeah. chocolate you said before we started you were talking about the fact that yeah. you created some what was it like a a chocolate that kids can smoke or yeah, something. Yeah. So
1: you 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 breathe in like a like a, um, like a whistle kind of the opposite way. You breathe into a uh, a chocolate cylinder. Okay. Uh, and and what comes into your mouth is pure chocolate, but the particle size is just right that it falls in your mouth. So even though you're breathing in your lungs, it all falls out in your mouth. So you so suddenly get cool. chocolate. What What's interesting is that chocolate you take as a in a food form. Yeah. And when you swallow, uh, often you don't get all the chocolate taste because it kind of goes down in the mass, and so a lot of what you eat you never taste because it's in a food form. But when it comes in, it's just the little particles. It's like this really massive experience, and there's very few calories. Right, there's almost no calories. So, wow. So you can yeah.
0: inhale the chocolate without any cat like barely yeah, any yeah. calories. And,
1: and, 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 and so Where it's, is it now? Well, so dude, this is a pretty funny story. So it, it was a quite hot in Paris. And then when it came to the States, uh, Chuck Schumer got wind of it. And I am in Amsterdam <laughs> with my family on vacation. And I think I was in the bath. And I get a call from a former student who was leaving this company saying, Well, Chuck Schumer just went on national television and said, this cannot come and because he thought it was going in the lungs. And oh so he God. said, I want the FDA to stop this. And so it took several months for the FDA to acknowledge that we had clinical data that showed it didn't go into the lungs and it was okay. But that moment was kind of lost. And and um, and to be honest, a lot of this work over the years was discovering a language and, uh, and uh, um, it's, Really, not easy to help people help themselves. It's super hard to figure out how to um, improve life, actually. And so, you, we kind of were just exploring lots of things. So, just to jump to Fend, I mean, I Wait, think. Wait, before you jump you know, back
0: to Fend, it, so you can't bring that inha- inhalable it, chocolate? It can, back yeah, to yeah, life? of course,
1: all that should come back to That's back a Fend.
0: That's, That mm-hmm. would be like the yeah. most amazing thing I've ever heard in my Let, life. Let's
1: do it together. Okay, okay. I, honestly, right. would you prompt You prompt? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, for Can sure. you do yeah. fin
0: on the side and make that yeah. chocolate the number one priority? Yeah. Uh, no,
1: that's not going to happen. Oh, no, gosh. Because yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think people would really love that. I'm yeah. telling I would yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's pretty fun.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so, wait, then how, when did, because in tw- 20, 2014, you won, again, the Time Magazine's uh, Edible...
1: Packaging. Packaging. I
0: don't know why I keep on forgetting that. That's what. So was that? That had nothing to do with the inhalable chocolate, obviously. No,
1: no. So that that was my big moment in Africa when I uh,
0: decided that I needed to change things. Is that I saw all this pack. So wait, wait. So there's, there's so much to like unpack with you. I'm trying to figure out the chronological. So you were doing the Bill Gates Foundation thing with the tuberculosis and yeah. all that. You you kind of like were not so thrilled with that whole process. Then that's after that is when you created the uh, edible packaging?
1: Yeah, so I, after that experience in Africa, I moved my family to Paris and we opened we a Were you guys culture. always moving everywhere? We've been pretty toggling between Boston and Paris, but we lived for several years in Paris. And I, I had an innovation center with artists and designers, a pub, public cultural center uh, where we did experiments at Frontiers of Science. And um, lots of great artists and, and designers, William Kentridge, Philippe Stark. And, um, and the experimentation led us, led me to food. And, and both food as air and food as food. And I, we came oh, with, so this was before
0: yeah. the Inhalable Chocolate.
1: This was all. The, the Inhalable Chocolate was right at the beginning of that adventure. Actually. Oh, okay, So, yeah, okay. So there's a lot that we did in Paris over 10 years. And um, anyway, the whole point of edible uh, uh, packaging, and the company is now called IncredibleFoods.com. And, uh, it still exists, and then, right? So, yeah, it's actually, we've it's it's now coming to a really important moment. So, that basically, the idea is that, if you how is our food system going to become uh not only sustainable regenerative as it was forever it's got to look inevitably like what it did look like right Mm -hmm. and so you've got the apple tree we had an apple just now or the grape uh, vine and so there's food is produced locally it's it's sort of taken from the vine in a food form that keeps all of the moisture and nutrition so that you can bring it to your cave or wherever you're going to go someplace Mm -hmm. local and consume it like two weeks from now or a week from now, not put it on a plane and flying around the world, but you kind of eat it in the in the apple orchard kind of vicinity. And then when it's done, it sort of neutrifies the earth. And there's this sort of a cycle that's regenerative. That's absolutely where food is going and the regenerative food movement and all of that is happening. But you needed a food form. Mm -hmm. You needed to take be able to take any food or liquid and put it in a grape. And you needed that skin of the grape to keep the water inside. And and so that's what we invented. If you ask me, David, how my life uh, and my career can um, uh, have the biggest impact uh, on Earth today, it's it's uh, FED, and it's uh, and it's you know the, it's salt and water. Um, it's it's a product that can be. We're in conversation with the WHO right now uh, in um, billions of lives. You know, right. the people who can't afford. Um, at Apple, and uh, and it can make a, a, a significant difference. I haven't mentioned, but over the last 20 or 30 years, the science has become quite clear that dry airways hurt COPD, asthma, uh, influenza, RSV, allergies, COVID-19, our ability to hydrate the upper airways can have a, just a massive impact on health, and and uh, I'm committed to making that happen.
0: I know, and I'm, if anyone can do it, it's going to be you. Um, so, how what's the process? How do you educate people at you know by the masses with something like this? Because it and, and like yeah. it, first of all, it is complex. It's yep. complicated even for people when you even explain it because of lots of different pieces of it. And the other issue is, and this is with a lot of different things that I'm aware of uh, in the space of wellness or health. A lot of times, you don't see, you don't understand what you don't see, right? So, like, does everybody, if you don't have an issue, does it, like, if you, does everybody f- automatically feel better, or some people yeah. they don't? Like, how yeah, the so educational these, process? Yeah, yeah,
1: these are really great questions, and of course, doing anything new is really uh, difficult. Um, just to say that the pandemic uh, has had, uh, uh major impact uh, on changing behavior, and particularly where it comes to hygiene. And I am pretty confident that while this uh, um, hydration is is uh, far broader to um, human health and wellness, it would not have reached the um, scale of attention um, had it not been uh, an effective intervention for COVID-19. So that's been helpful. We are wearing masks when we weren't wearing masks before. Um, but at the end of the day, as you say, it needs to be first, how do I even know that I'm breathing better? I know when I'm eating bad food, food. Right, <laughs> but right. do I know it every day? Well, about 90 million Americans actually have a respiratory condition. So there's a big group How of many? people. 90 million. Like It's a big well, okay. group of people, Americans who are have some kind of respiratory, like you do, right? Like allergy. Like so, allergy. Yeah, what and, would but, fall
0: under that category? Allergies, asthma, like we said, yeah. sleep apnea. Yeah. Or and, and,
1: and COPD is a, is a major. Uh, so oh. chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which often begins with an asthmatic Uh, kind of state it ends in emphysema and so what happens when you breathe Mm -hmm. dirty air there's a uh uh, the particles get deep in your lungs if if they're not cleared well and it leads to um, airway constriction. you begin to have difficulty breathing but eventually it uh really erodes your um uh gas exchange region of your lungs you can't breathe so you die of asphyxia so it's horrible so that's the the biggest burden of respiratory disease in, in the um in the chronic respiratory disease, COPD, but um, influenza, I mean, all these uh, uh, airborne pathogens, uh, our risk uh, um, uh-huh. is heightened uh, by yeah. by actually having uh, poor functioning lungs. So they're uh, all, uh, yes, dry airways. And so we know that uh, if we can keep the airways wet, it will have a massive impact um, on life. I, I, maybe you and I discussed this earlier, Jen. 30 years ago there was a study called the Harvard Six City study where they looked at uh, what happens over a 10year time frame. Mm-hmm. if you're breathing air that has 10 micrograms per cubic meter of small particles in the air, we're 30 okay so today in um, uh, uh, like in a, in a California wire fire as where you typically 30 and above, same thing in Bangalore. well the difference is three years of life. And so your, your life is reduced by three years of breathing, uh, you know, air that's three times as dirty as, as it is here today in Miami. And to give that perspective, if we eliminated all forms of cancer, we would prolong human life by three years. So the impact of breathing yeah. dirty air is not only is it allergy not a great thing, not as asthma a bad thing to live with, uh, we're shortening life, and and it's, it's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to uh, help people uh, live better and longer.
0: No, that 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 actually does make sense. So it's a question of like educating people. That's why I want to do this podcast because you don't people don't know what they don't know, right? So yeah. having this information out there is is I think really helpful. Um, so I have a I have a couple other questions. So we so you said actually. Uh, something that was interesting. Do you have have any other, by the way, any other facts? Like when you were doing all the research on this, can you give us some like actual hard facts or stats that you did find, like studies that you did?
1: Yeah, so we have done since the start of the pandemic, uh, eight or nine, I think, uh, human studies and we published uh, several articles um, uh, with the results of those studies. So what have we found? We found that, and I should demonstrate how this works exactly. So you, you squeeze uh, this. Um, Most
0: people are probably listening, not watching, but okay. you can still, so you, if you right. are not all watching.
1: Right. All right. So we you, you place this uh, uh, pump spray in front of your nose, you squeeze it, and then you breathe in the mist deeply. Uh, it takes about four seconds, and you want to do that twice. And what we. Uh, have found now repeatedly in all of our human studies is that these little respiratory droplets I mentioned are cleaned out of your airways for about six hours once you um, administer FED. And depending upon how dirty your airways are, they clean a lot. So the the cleansing ranges from 50 to 99 percent of all droplets in your airways. Um, We have uh, in our uh COVID-19 study that's under review right now showing that we can if you happen to be infected we can um uh lower symptoms in fact eliminate symptoms on daily treatment so uh the what are we doing we're making the upper airways as you may know when you're infected by SARS-CoV-2 it typically lands in your upper airways and if it stays there you don't get symptoms and so what we found in the study is that by daily uh three times a day uh, treatment, you could um, eliminate symptoms and uh, then increase oxygen. So that's the other thing that we found is that when your oxygen falls, um, and particularly when it falls significantly, we're talking about down to 96, 97% or obviously below 95%, uh, fending uh, often raises your oxygen saturation by opening up your glottis. And, uh, and that, of course, has really significant um, uh, impact on uh uh, exercise and, um, and uh, sleep apnea issues.
0: So you said something earlier, I thought, and you know, before, and then we went on this, ta- I took you on a tangent though, but about like, I understand now better, like how you, the evolution of how you got to creating FEND, but how did you figure out it was the size of the molecule that was yep. the problem to penetrate? Did you do like a hundred well, different Yeah, sizes. so that's really Gen what I've been doing testing.
1: for the last 20-something years in aerosols is because of my math background, knowing, and there's quite a bit of data that's been gathered in, uh, frankly, back in Germany uh, 30, 40 years ago, um, and uh, honestly in a radiation uh, context, but uh, <laughs> it was sort of understood that if the droplet has a certain size, uh, it goes to a certain part in the airways. And... Because it's pretty complicated, Jen, it depends on, are you breathing? Is my pushing it in? And uh, is it a droplet or a particle? People are kind of confused. And so they have uh, scientists generally have very simplistic ways of thinking about it. And um, so, um, yeah, I did well. a I knew it from the math. And then we did the experiments and we began to see it work. So it's funny because when we started this work again in the uh, I had done work in the 2000, we started again in the start of the pandemic and started to publish. Many in the field were surprised by the results. And so we just kept kind of plugging forward Mm -hmm. and publishing and publishing. And we just did a meeting in Lausanne with um, several members of the Nobel Prize Committee and Nobel Prize candidates on this topic of the air we breathe. And there's a real consensus now in the scientific community. Um, So it it makes sense. uh, But um, like many things in science, um, it doesn't make sense at first.
0: Right. Or just you got to, it takes a second to get your head around it, right? Because you don't know what you don't see sometimes, right? Like you don't yeah. see it, you don't know. Now, like what happens if someone, because you, know, you just said you've got to use it every six hours, right? Yeah. So what happens Do people see a visible or a not not visible improvement if they use it once a day? Like what happens if they use it just once a day?
1: Well, any hydration is better than no hydration. C- right, yeah. uh, so that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to point out, and, and uh, if if uh, you buy the product today, hellofed.com, you uh, you get the product and you get a little note from me uh, saying that um, uh, I believe so strongly hey. no, yeah, in this that if you if you. Uh, if you take a Breathe Better Challenge, uh, 21 days, uh, we'll give you your money back if it doesn't improve your breathing. So that in the Breathe Better Challenge, you get a little one minute video from me every day. And I help people educate. I help them understand first of what's going on. So how do you measure this? How do you know it works? Mm-hmm. And then why does it matter long-term? So there is this real effort to educate and, and, uh, and, um, But it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's so it's true that if you do it once a day, that's helpful. Um, If you were asking me, David, if I were doing once a day, when should I do it? I think it depends on who you are. Um, Obviously, if you're going into an environment, going outside, or where there's a lot of particles in the air, or um, pathogen, or if at night you have problems with sleeping, and we have dirty air in our uh bedrooms too um it may be at night so it could be in the morning it could be at night uh if you're an athlete do it before and after you exercise
0: before but if you're only do one before or after because before it will help do, you but I after would, i would do it before before yeah I do it before and would like would you say i know you're not going to say because of the legal reasons but if someone were to do this does it help with um uh, you know, p- potentially, you know, getting COVID or with uh, the flu, yeah.
1: or yeah. you know, so, can, so, can
0: it actually get rid of allergies? Yeah.
1: So I think that the um, so the data is really strong uh, that hydrated airways lower risks of COVID nineteen, the lower risk of influenza, the lower risk of allergies, and that data is really well known. Um, we have lots of feedback from consumers. I, I would say that most consumers have bought the product out of fear of COVID-19. Most are using it because they feel better. And the thing, the three things that they say most is allergies. I mentioned earlier, uh, earlier, um, sleep and, right. and then the, uh, and then the, the, uh, exercise induced asthma. Um, so, uh, you know, we can't, well, well, the company can't, uh, like a mask. It can't, uh, market itself. As a drug it isn't a drug uh, we can do the science and so if if uh, if people look at our science papers either on my website or elsewhere um they'll, they'll, they'll be able to follow along we are doing many further studies uh, uh, in, in, uh, in that regard
0: what would you say um, because to me like I actually did use and I was very uh, purposeful when I use the word like I do think this is a disruptor in this space um, now What would you say for people who would say you know this is just another gimmick or a product in a wellness space the problem is in the wellness or space of wellness fitness health whatever you want to call it every day there's something else that says it's going to do something for you it's going to improve something Mm -hmm. how is this not going to just be a product because at the end of the day it's a product that people have to use three times a day and really kind of take on like a more of a philosophy which is the hydration and
1: well, I Hygiene. just want to say, John, that the um, difficulty of uh, having a non-regulated or non-drug uh, product is that um, you're in uh, competition with homeopathic uh, sort of solutions and lots of marketing claims that are really difficult to deal with, both for consumers right. and for anybody. It's bra- like overwhelming so to it's people. It's overwhelming. And so, what we've done, and I just invite um, people to um, to um, explore our story. Uh, is uh, we've been very uh, cautious actually over the last two years. We've been doing the science and getting the scientific community on. We haven't marketed very aggressively at all. Uh, we will become more aggressive marketing uh, in the in the coming months, uh, but in co really in concert with um, international scientists. It, I, I would just ask your uh, uh, listeners um, to look into the work that we're doing um, with international scientists to. Um, there's a not-for-profit called Next Breath um, to bring uh, this intervention to um, people around the world. What We're is that? Degrees. What's Next yeah. Breath? I don't know what that is. Yeah, Next Breath is a, a not-for-profit. Um, was created um, alongside our company, and it's led by Lori Carneth, who was the president of Explorers Club, and uh, um, and uh, they organized the conference in Lausanne uh, a couple months ago. Uh, but if you go to the next breath uh, dot global um, uh, you'll see the work that they're doing um, but the intention ultimately and if you look closely you'll see the intention is to bring this intervention to uh, to the um, to the uh, those in parts of the world that are dying principally by respiratory disease. So I don't think this is a typical story that you would associate with um, many supplements that work really well mm-hmm. and so I think there's something here um, that's um, 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 Kind of belongs to our moment and and uh and um, um has that sort of authentic uh, journey
0: well said wow okay is there anything else that we didn't cover about you i mean you can come back anytime because you can be like my go-to on <laughs> hydration yeah. and overall yeah. hygiene and uh health um is there anything what's what's like, what's the next year like what would be ideally in your in your brain, what would you like to see in the year?
1: So my my dream, uh, and, and we're on that path, and, and advancing on that path this year is really a goal, is that ultimately uh, 8 billion people on the planet are uh, practicing air hygiene, including the 3 billion who can't afford not to and can't afford to. Um, Making that happen is a matter of bringing out a brand that people trust, uh, that um, actually delivers value, that people can feel, that evolves with people. It's not as if we've had this in millions of hands, and so I'm sure we'll learn a lot from consumers. Um, You know, there's a process, we're doing uh, clinical trials, um, just to be clear, around cough, around COPD, and population-based studies in India, Africa, and uh, South America. So there's a lot that has to happen here um it's hard to do anything well right, <laughs> right? Yes. do something at this scale it's difficult you know you're trying thing? to
0: change the world's health like this is exactly like you're not you're trying it's, it's, to like really change the way people like take care of themselves daily yeah but I, it what's
1: i meaningful to me uh, janice habitual is that it's we're talking about salt and water
0: we're oh, something I that's
1: in us right we're not, that, yeah. i'm glad that
0: you said that i was going to ask one question before and i just yeah. re- forgot it until now What's the difference between doing this or just getting some, you know, salt water, like take some water with some like kosher salt and yeah. put it in your, and, you know, just drink a couple ounces of that a day or an or an ounce a day. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's just getting it to the right spot. So it's, it's just, all about it's, yeah, yeah, it's really about placement. You need it's the right placement. salts, but you need to get them the right place and it's difficult to get to. And so that, you know, we've, uh,
0: so it's all about the placement. So if I were to do that, would it be the same, would not maybe not the same benefit, but would it give me any benefit?
1: So yes. And so as, as you probably know, um, people have been delivering salt water to their nose for that's thousands of saying. years. They just drank no,
0: it. Yeah, the yeah, While they're drink drinking it or
1: they just put it in their nose like a neti pot or-, or Yeah, a the neti spray. pot. Another, right. That's
0: what I had yeah. as a question yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so that what does it do? It cleans your, your, cleans your, uh, the mucus in your nose, really. And so it's, it decongests and it cleans. What's and so the
0: difference with the two?
1: Uh, well, in the nasal, like in the neti pot case, it kind of cleans your nose, uh, but it has no effect on airway hydration. Right, so that okay, that's all of the hydration say. that matters to your lungs is in the windpipe.
0: So the cleaning of the nasal passageway, it's, it, there's no correlation between that and your overall long-term health with hydration and um, hygiene.
1: Right. yeah it, it is a local hygiene which matters it really helps and a lot of people maybe who are also listening may practice uh, nasal hygiene and that it actually works but it is not addressing uh, the issues of um, respiratory health well-being and oxygenation health. that uh, airway hydration does
0: and that's so that so there's no real benefits for musicians or athletes to the same degree obviously you know, because of where yeah, the location yeah, is yeah and, right if yeah. so i used i would use that um, when I have a cold. But then it's... Yeah. Yeah, then it's really just,
1: an upper, like a, a nasal congestion.
0: It's also uncomfortable, Wait, by the way. Have you ever yeah. done that uh, oh, Yeah, I, totally, totally. I hate yeah. that thing. Yeah. It's yeah. so yeah. awful. Yeah. I can never do it. The water all goes yeah. up. Yeah. The or on the floor yeah. and my hair. Yeah, Nothing true. ever lands well, in my nose anyway. I- honestly, oh, Jed, if so I so come awful. back,
1: I'd love to talk about uh, voice and singing. That's for sure. That you mentioned it. I don't want to get into it right now, but it's a super fascinating topic and uh, another place where I hydration.
0: No, I'm sure. Do you want to do you want to say like in two minutes or less how it can help? In two
1: minutes or less, yeah. So maybe people know that singers have known for a long time they need to hydrate their larynx. Right, laryce. you did
0: say that though earlier.
1: Yeah, but uh, what we've discovered now is that um, Fend, uh hydrates precisely um, the uh, laryngeal. Um, 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 region that um, uh, can make singers um, sing better. And so I'm not gonna get into it too much right now because we're just beginning uh, to work with uh, some top um, uh, voice specialists, but it's uh, it's an exciting um, I'm gonna
0: give topic. one to a friend of mine who she actually, am I supposed to say, it? I, I, well, I'm, I shouldn't say, it. or maybe I should, who cares? Um, my, a friend of mine just told me uh, yesterday that she's now singing the national anthem for the Super Bowl hi my Cal. i know where's my Cal. so i think i'm gonna give this to her as a get as a gift oh before. totally yeah
1: and i let me yeah we can we can we can put yeah yeah we can we can get her get her smart so that she's just uh,
0: uh yeah blow, she's actually coming on the away. podcast soon she's amazing like, she's got a great voice in order for ever. And, uh, anyway, that's a whole other story, but, uh, that's exciting. uh yeah, it is super yeah. exciting, but yeah. I'm going to give this to her. So then what, because I'm, uh, I'm not a singer, but I am someone who likes to exercise. So just quickly, would it make me, can I run longer and can I work out longer? With yeah, it? The, yes you, or no?
1: Right. Yes. So uh, you asked you, so you can, um, actually, uh, uh, so you can better oxygenate your muscles. And you can reduce the risk, as you know, Jen, there's a real risk of uh, post-running of uh, upper respiratory tract yeah. infection and, and falling ill. And so hydrating the upper airways can both uh, prolong and deepen oxygenation and reduce um, risks of, um, of respiratory disease or inf- infection post-running.
0: Uh, post, uh, How about preventative? Right, so like if I, like like for example, if I feel myself getting sick and I start doing this, yeah. would it help me yeah, from absolutely. getting sick? Yeah, okay.
1: And for all the reasons that we described, you always yeah. want your airways to be hydrated. There's never a moment, not at night, not during the day, know, not, you right. never want your airways to be not perfectly hydrated because anything that's coming in, you want it to get out and, and so you can never know. Uh, so, um, and, and everybody should just understand that the um, the the... While there are acute respiratory issues that we feel, uh, there are long term respiratory uh, consequences that are just on us right now. And uh, and uh, one only needs to look at the statistics. So, three times a day, whenever.
0: I love it. Okay, so they could pick it up at where? HelloFen.com.
1: HelloFen.com. And uh, we'll probably be online for the next year or so before we show up in stores.
0: And you will be showing up in at stores? At some point. At some point? At some point. What, what kind of stores would we you be We don't really at? know yet, actually. It's, it's
1: it's it's really helpful because it's so new to know our consumers and to be, have a relationship with our consumers. And if anybody buys a product, they'll, they'll, they'll see we're extremely, um, uh, we spend a lot of time with the consumers. And so we just want to make sure that this is a right that uh, people understand and it's being broadly used before we're putting it on a
0: shelf and, um, and not standing there with it. I understand that uh this has been fascinating thank you so much thank for being you you're
1: amazing i've never i've never had such a
0: delightful interview thank oh well that's much. so nice thank yeah. you well you'll come back again i hope not mm-hmm. here in miami hopefully you know l.a yeah, where that'd be good okay good okay um and you can also follow you if you want to know more about your fascinating life where are they where do they find you uh,
1: Instagram at David A. Edwards, <laughs> Ph.D. So funny to hear
0: you're on yeah. Instagram. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it's funny that you're on Instagram. Yeah. You yeah. seem like such an academic, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't
1: well, know. Well, actually, I did, you know, honestly, um, yeah, so my, my website is uh, davidideals.com, and I got onto Instagram last summer. Obviously, uh, my my some a lot probably the world's greatest UI UX designer in uh, Finnish and uh, Silicon Valley. What's his you know, name? Uh, Risto Ladismaki, okay. and so Risto said to me, David, you know, you need to you need to talk to people, and and my my fear of people just not getting it uh, was such that I made my first post uh, four months ago. So yeah, I'm I'm really innocent when it comes oh, to Instagram, so but I'm cute. there. You're there. I'm I there with my I follow
0: mic. you actually, yeah, so I know you're there. That's I, really adorable. This I, kind of I, I know you. Yeah. yeah, now you're there. Well, thank you so much. You've been obviously a delight, and you know yeah. what a fan yeah. I am of yeah. you. So and me um, of you. Thank you. Um, thank you. And everyone, go follow Hello Fan and, and try it out. And uh, like I said, this is not an ad. This is seriously something that I think is very helpful. And I know that your attentions are always so pure, David. So that's why I really wanted to have this podcast. So everyone. I hope you enjoyed this information
2: and, uh, have a great one. Bye. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The habits and hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest.